0: Can you handle the truth? The informative voice for Christianity, the Marty Mento Show. Well, welcome to the Marty Mento Show podcast. I am your host, Marty Mento, the informative voice for Christianity across America, the one who has been duped the blue-collar theologian, trying to make things simple or simplify things that may be quite deep for those within the body of Christ, but also doing my best to reach out to those in a world who are lost, who need to hear the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, Well, once again, I am so delighted for you to join with me here on the Marty Minto Show, and uh, it is just another wonderful day that God has given to us. You know, quite often I begin to wonder sometimes when I wake up in the morning, what do I talk about? There are so many things that are going on, so many newsworthy items to talk about, uh, once again, reminding me of my days doing talk radio where I would have a th- live three-hour show and talking about so many different things. But uh, in the world of podcast, I've been talking to different people. I guess there are some people who do podcast shows for an hour, two hours, even longer at times. But uh, I want to be able to, in a just a sufficient, efficient type of a way, bring to you a podcast that will help you as you're maybe driving on the way to work, on the way home, maybe in the evening after the kids get to bed, maybe a way to start your morning, but something that uh, will challenge you. And uh, make you think. I really want to make you think. I want to take you back to God's Word. Remember, we have three uh, priorities here on the Marty Minto Show podcast. Number one is to learn the Word of God. Uh, So number two, that we're able to teach others along with number three, and also defend the truth because, again, in the last days, many folks will rear their heads up in the visible church claiming to be Bible teachers, claiming to be of God, and they will be leading people astray. And uh, so those three things, learn, teach, defend, you always hear me talk about it because they really are the foundation of this podcast and why we're doing it. Well, today I found myself uh, on the phone with another pastor, and uh, he called me uh, to ask some insight about particular passage that he is studying and that he's also teaching to his church. And uh, as he was talking with me. We were talking about the word believe. We were talking about faith, what it means to believe in Jesus Christ, what it means to have faith. Uh and we were discussing this topic. And so I thought today here uh on the Marty Minto show we would talk about that. You know, quite often I will have people uh that will, you know, engage me in some type of conversation. Maybe I'll meet for the very first time. And um uh, I will ask people you know, what they believe about Jesus, and some people find that strange, that I would even ask it. But I, but I find it uh, really, it's an issue of life or death, what we believe about Jesus. Uh, because there are many things that are believed about Jesus today as they were when Jesus physically walked the face of the earth. Ah, uh, there were those who believed Jesus to be nothing more than a a prophet. Well, I shouldn't say not just a prophet, but a, a prophet and also possibly a resurrected prophet. We find that in the Bible in different places, in like Matthew chapter sixteen verse fourteen, John chapter nine verse seventeen. There were those who thought, well, Jesus is a you know he's a great teacher from God. God sent him, and he's a great teacher. He's a good teacher. And we see that in John chapter 3, verse 2 with Nicodemus, and also in John chapter 9, verse 33. And uh, there are people I meet today from other religious belief systems that say the same thing. He, he was a good teacher, uh, he, he definitely was a prophet of God. Um, then you have those who recognize just simply because of being raised in the same area as Jesus with his family. Um, they say, hey, listen, this is the carpenter's son we we find that designation in Matthew chapter 13 verses 54 through 57 others say you know what he's just a good teacher he teaches good things he he makes makes us feel good he he says good things uh, you know he is one who who teaches and, and makes us look to god and and you know he's uh you know he he also teaches as one who has authority like like it belongs to him what what he's saying is you know it it's his word and And we find that in Mark chapter 10, verse 18. He's a good teacher. Then we have those who really, well, uh, those who questioned, really, the life, the ministry, quote-unquote, of Jesus. Some said he was mentally unstable. He wasn't with his right mind. We find that in Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Uh, There were others in Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25, said they're not sure who he is. I mean, truly, they weren't positive who exactly he was. Then you have those who say, well, he's a good man. You know, we hear that an awful lot today with people. That's a good person. That person's really a good person. Well, there's people in the Bible that thought during Jesus' day and time as he walked the face of the earth, he was a good man. And others said, no, he's a deceiver. He's trying to deceive people. He's trying to lead people astray. He's teaching him things and saying things. He's trying to uh, overthrow the government. He's trying to get some type of a coup, uh, you know, together so that he can he could take over and uh, you know stop the Roman uh, terror. The Romans terrorizing the Jewish people. I, I mean, and people said no, he's a deceiver. He can't be trusted. Others say, you know what? He was nothing more than a sinner, just like everybody else. He's a sinner who needs God. As a matter of fact, we find these three designations in John chapter 7, verse 12, John chapter 9, verse 16. But it's interesting, too, that Jesus once said, uh, actually, he, he referred to it in other places, but you know, if I have sinned, really show me my sin. What have I done wrong? And if you read the scriptures, you'll find that nobody could bring a claim against him because the Word of God, the Bible, tells us he was without sin. There were those also that even went beyond being mentally unstable. There were those who believed he was possessed by a demon. He was evil. He was wicked. uh, He couldn't be trusted, and we find that in John chapter 10, verses 19 through 21. Uh, Then we have those who claim that he is the prophet— not just a prophet or a resurrected prophet which that in itself would be just absolutely amazing a prophet that has you know returned to life from the dead but they believe that he was the prophet that is mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15 And then you have those who said, isn't this the Christ? Isn't this the Messiah that we have been waiting for as Jews that was promised to us by the prophets of old? And we find that in John chapter 7, verses 40 through 42. And then we have kind of a distinction, and some question this, but some say that there was one who called him the Son of God or the Son of a God, small g., in Matthew twenty-seven fifty-four, so so we have these distinctions throughout uh, the time period when Jesus began his ministry on the face of the earth. We we had people that uh, wondered: Was he telling the truth? Was he crazy? Was he lying? Was he? I mean, you know, was was he who he claimed to be? I mean, when you begin to think about this, you got to ask the question, really, who is Jesus to you? What do you believe about Jesus? And I really believe down deep inside that that is a question of life or death, what we believe about Jesus. And I'll tell you why, because I have really just, my life has been turned upside down many, many years ago when Christ truly saved me. And as I began to really study, and just I longed, I hungered for the pure milk of God's Word, um, I couldn't get enough of it. I came across this verse that just set me back. It made me realize how important this issue was about Jesus and believing in Jesus. And here's what the verse says, and it's in John chapter 8, verse 24. I said, therefore... To you, that you shall die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am He, you shall die in your sins. Let me just stop there for just a moment. There are things that I recognize about this verse that are very, very important. First of all, I recognize the fact that that uh, there is repetition right here in this breath of Jesus as He makes this comment. He's making it clear to the people that he's speaking to he's making it personal the for unless you believe he it's it's it is a warning, but it also pushes places the onus on that person or persons that he's speaking to and I believe it's to all men also um unless unless you believe and again that word believe that's what I really want to talk about today, but he says unless you believe that I am he and if you ever heard me teach on this through the unless-you-believe uh, workshops and seminars, et cetera, the word he is not in the Greek. Matter of fact, if you look at it in your Bible, the word he um, is italicized. In every translation, it's italicized, or it's even left out in some translations. But it, it demonstrates that the word he is not in the original uh, manuscripts, That they, or at least the manuscript evidences uh, evidence that they have. And basically, Jesus is saying, unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. Well, if we go back to Exodus chapter 3 and the burning bush and Moses, we know that I am is God. So Jesus here is saying to these people, unless you believe that I am God, the son of the living God, I'm God manifest in the flesh before you, you will die in your sins. Well, it tells us what people are. People are in sin. They are being controlled by sin. They were born in sin. Uh, men come into this world as sinners, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. We, then we go to Romans 6.23, and we realize that the wages of sin is death. Because of sin, which all began with Adam in the garden, Adam being the federal head of man, the representative of man, we know that sin Uh, has been imputed onto our account. We are guilty just as much as Adam is guilty, therefore we're going to die. But it's also inherited. We're born with sin. We have a sin nature. We come out of the womb and we don't say what is right. I mean, we we desire and long for what we want. Uh, We don't seek after God. We don't want God. Uh, we stay away from God. And and thank God, and I don't want to get too preachy here, but it tells us in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. We call him the seeking savior. Jesus is the one who seeks after us. But in that verse there, the word believe. That's the key, and that's what I want to focus on because this pastor, as he called me today, he said, listen, you know, this whole issue with believing, I, I see this word used quite often in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, but I began to realize some things about this word believe, and I'm really concerned because it seems like even though the word believe is used, there are people that, well, are no longer following Christ, but yet the Bible says they believed. Now the word believe means to put your faith in or upon, or to put your trust in or upon. We would say as Christians that the object of our faith is Jesus Christ. We are to put our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ, in him alone for our salvation. But actually when it comes to the word believe, there are three things that are taking place, and the Reformers talked about this an awful lot, and it really makes sense because there's three elements of faith Uh, when we talk about what we would call saving faith. Now, saving faith is that gift that comes from God. Um, Not all men have faith. Paul, as he wrote to those at Thessalonica and 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 5 he made that clear pray for me because i'm amongst these people i'm being persecuted because not all men have faith there's some people who believe that men are born with faith they have this kind of box inside of them and once it's unlocked you know the faith comes out or they themselves come to a point in place in their life and they, you know they somehow unlock the box the key is found and they have faith but the bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 going into 9, that when we talk about faith, we're talking about that gift that is from God. Saving faith is a gift from God. It is that faith, it is that gift from God that truly saves us. But when it comes to believing, there's three aspects of this that we have to understand. First of all, it is the facts or the evidence. Um, Paul talked about this, we see this quite often in the Bible, for instance, in Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, which is one of my favorite passages in all of the New Testament, but in Acts chapter 17, Paul went into the synagogue of the Jews. This was kind of his custom that he did quite often. And he went in and he reasoned with them uh, for three Sabbaths from the Scriptures. Now listen to this. Explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying that this Jesus who am I proclaiming to you is the Christ. So here Paul opens the Word of God. He places before them the evidence. He gives them the facts. He gives them the evidence, the proof of who Jesus is. Now, we learn from this story story here in Acts chapter 17 that there were some who believed. Some who joined Paul and Silas, uh, along with a great multitude of God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. But there were those who did not believe. See, so when it comes to believing, there's there's like three aspects of this. Now listen to me carefully. You have the, you have the facts, you have the evidence— that is placed before you we are to go into all the world and we are to preach the gospel we are to bring the good news of Jesus Christ we are to bring really the evidence we are to bring to the people that will listen to us the reality the truth about who Jesus is yeah remember I asked you that or talked about that earlier I like to ask people who who's Jesus to you because there's many beliefs about Jesus But right from there, I begin to understand where they stand when it comes to Jesus. Now, remember, I've already told you that Jesus himself said, unless you believe that I am he, you are going to die in your sin. So what he was saying is, unless you put your trust, your faith in me, that I am God, I am the son of the living God, I've been sent here by God my Father uh, to save mankind. Unless you believe in him, Unless you put your faith, your trust in him, you're going to die in your sins. You're going to die in your natural state. You're going to be separated from the presence of God for all eternity in a place called hell. You're going to experience the wrath of God. And, and as I begin to learn this over you I begin to realize how important this was. But not only do we have the evidence and the facts, but we have to believe it to be true. Sometimes we we have evidence, and we try to bring you know, the truth or the facts to the table, but we just don't buy it. We don't, you know, believe in them. But let's just say we, we bring the evidence, we bring the facts to people about Jesus, and they believe that the evidence and the facts that I am sharing with them is true. Well, that's the second part. If they believe it's true, now we're on our way. But there is one element that is still missing, and that is the element of trust. Where we entrust ourselves to the object of our faith, who is Jesus Himself, and this is where I find a lot of people don't understand. There are people who believe in Jesus, but what does that mean? Because think about this for just a moment. I tell you how important this is. The Bible tells us in James two nineteen that the demons believe in God and shudder. The demons aren't being saved. Matter of fact, we have places like in Mark chapter five one through eight. Acts chapter 16, verse 18, we have places where we have very clear distinction about people who recognize who Jesus is. They know it to be the truth that he is the Son of the living God. Even the demons proclaim that, but obviously the demons and Satan himself, they're not going to be saved. Why? Because there's that element of what we call saving faith. It's a gift from God that's bestowed upon men by God's grace, and they must put their trust, they must entrust themselves to Christ Jesus and him alone for their salvation. See, basically what they're doing is they're trusting that Jesus, first of all, lived a life that they couldn't live. Adam obviously didn't do it. He disobeyed God. And because of Adam's sin, it tells us in Romans chapter 5, that we now, uh, we are faced with the judgment of sin from God, which is death. We are born into this world. We've inherited sin. We're all born sinners. And so what we're trusting is, is that Jesus lived the life that you and I could not live. He fulfilled the law. He walked this life in this world in a perfect manner. He did what God told him to do. The Bible tells us distinctively he did not sin. Sin was not to even be found in him. So the first thing we're doing is we're trusting that Jesus lived the life that you and I could never live. He's the one who lived it. I can't live it, no matter how hard I try. Like the Ten Commandments. You know, the Ten Commandments, I hear this quite often for so many people. The Ten Commandments, wow. You know, well, I believe this about the Ten Commandments. I don't like this part. Well, truly, the Ten Commandments are holy. They're pure. They're perfect because they come from God. And though God expects us to obey his commandments, matter of fact, the Bible tells us in the book of James, very interesting verse in James chapter 2, I believe it's verse 10, the Bible tells us very clearly that if we, just in one area, break the commandment of God, we have literally broken them all. Here's what it says, For whoever keeps the law, the whole law, and yet stumbles in one point, He has become guilty of all. The truth of the matter is, take the Ten Commandments, look at the Ten Commandments, and you come to realize you can't keep the Ten Commandments. And see, the purpose of the Ten Commandments is to define the fact that God is holy, God is pure, he's righteous, he's good, and what he brings to man, what he expects from man is the same thing. He expects us to be holy. He expects us to be righteous because he's righteous. He expects us to to, to walk in a manner and a way that's most pleasing to him. But we can't do it. I mean, think about this. When we think about sin, you know, think about one. Think about lying. Have you ever lied? Of course you have. If you say you haven't, you're a liar. You know as well as I do. You've lied. You know, think about it. Have you ever thought evil thoughts? Have you ever thought of hurting somebody or wishing somebody was dead or wishing somebody was in hell or wishing whatever? I mean, the truth of the matter is when we begin to look at our life and look at the Ten Commandments and look at what Jesus talked in the Beatitudes, we begin to realize, hey, listen, we're lawbreakers and we're guilty. And the wages of sin, of breaking God's law, is death. But see, Jesus fulfilled the law. He fulfilled it. He lived a life that Adam could not, and we can't. So we're trusting, first of all, that he did do what he claimed to do, and the Bible's telling us the truth, the facts. Christ lived that life. The second thing we're trusting in is is that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins on the cross, his death. Uh, There had to be a penalty, and that penalty is death, and we know that Jesus died. He shed his blood. He became that sacrifice. He became the one who really took the place, our place. For those of us who believe, who put our trust and our faith in it, he took our place. See, we could not in any way, shape, or form, because of the sin in the garden when Adam sinned against God, Adam couldn't reconcile himself to God. He couldn't. No matter what Adam would try to do, And I have to tell you, he didn't try anything because he knew he was guilty before God. He could never reconcile or make himself right with God. That's a reality that we all have to accept. When we look at the Ten Commandments, we're guilty. We're sinners. We deserve death. We deserve that penalty. But God sent his only begotten Son into this world that whosoever believes in him— would not perish but have everlasting, or what we would call eternal, life. See, once again, we are trusting that he paid the penalty. He is the one who went to the cross. He paid that penalty that you and I could never, ever, ever pay. I tell you, this to me is something that I I cannot talk enough about. And I do my best to talk to people everywhere as I share the gospel message, because I want them to know this reality. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, it's not our own righteousness, it's his righteousness. In the gospel and the good news, which is the power of God for salvation to those who believe— There's the message about righteousness, and it's not our righteousness. It is Christ. He's righteous because he is truly the God man. He's fully God and fully man. That's why he lived a life without sin. That's why he kept all the commandments of God. That's why he did what was right because he is truly God. And as a man, he suffered. He took our place. The penalty that was supposed to be ours, he took upon himself. Matter of fact, in the book of First Peter chapter 2, um, once again, another powerful uh, passage that we should all know this, but he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. Wow! Do you realize what Jesus has done for those who believe? And then one of my all-time favorite passages, I I just got to share this, and I I, I read this quite often, I study it over and over again, because it just says something to me that that just, um, well, I think you'll realize here in just a moment. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 6 down through um, 11, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will die, will hardly die, excuse me, for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. Well, if you read Romans chapter 3, there's none who are righteous and there's no one who does good. But listen to this. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified, which means to be declared righteous, by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Who's him? Jesus. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life. Wow. I tell you right now, folks, what's happening is when you believe, you're trusting in the fact that Jesus paid the penalty for your sins on the cross, a price that you could not pay. You could not do it. And the Bible says very distinctively and clearly in Acts chapter 4, and maybe you've heard this and maybe you haven't, and that's why talking about Jesus and sharing the gospel is so important, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. So we can't be saved any other way. We can't be rescued. We will never be in that place uh, of God's presence, uh, that place of glory. We will never be in that place of peace. We will never be in that place of great satisfaction uh, in our lives in eternity other than believing in Jesus Christ, putting our trust, our faith in him once again, that he's lived a life that you and I could not. He paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. And last but not least, we're trusting in his resurrection from the dead. He conquered death. He was raised again on the third day. He's alive forevermore. A matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 12 through 26 talks about the resurrection, Jesus' resurrection from the dead. If Jesus didn't rise from the the grave, then I gotta be honest with you folks, those who call themselves Christians, those who hold on to this teaching and belief in Jesus and trust in Him, we believe in vain. We're men to be most pitied. People should mock us and laugh at us unless the evidence The facts, the proof demonstrates that on the third day, he was alive again. See, folks, truly, when we think about Jesus Christ, we're thinking about his life, his death, his resurrection. We're thinking about the efficient and sufficient work of Jesus Christ alone. Nothing that we could do. It's all about him. See, we can't work our way. We can't gain our way. We can't uh, prepare the way. There's nothing about us because we are sinners. We need someone to do what we can't do for ourselves. We are hopeless. We are what the Bible calls, uh, calls we are dead in our sins and transgressions. We are dead. We are a neck cross. We are a corpse spiritually. We can't please God. We don't love God. We don't seek after God. We don't want God, but he's seeking after us for one reason. That reason is simply to save us, to deliver us, because God's wrath is what is before us, God's wrath. Matter of fact, some people just don't realize this, but but God is saving us for himself, by himself, and ultimately from himself. Because he knows that unless we believe, as Jesus said, unless we put our faith and our trust in him for our salvation, for him to rescue and rescue us, for, for for him to do what we can't do, we're gonna die in our sins. And if you die in your sins, and you die not in Christ, but you literally die in Adam, as the Bible talks about, you're gonna perish. You're gonna no matter who you are. That's why everyone needs to hear the good news. That's why everybody needs to hear uh, about Jesus. The gospel good news needs to be shared. And Jesus said when he began his ministry, he said, repent and believe in the gospel. Repentance is the means to change one's mind, to change the way one thinks, which ultimately will change one's direction. That in itself is a gift of God's grace we find in God's word. But unless we repent and believe in the gospel, Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is the good news. The gospel is all about him. It's not about us. It is about Jesus Christ and him alone, his sufficient, efficient work that was done on behalf of those who would believe. And folks, I guess, you know, and I, I, I just had to talk about this today. I had to dive into it, and I could say much more. And I know this probably sounds like a really preachy type of message, and maybe it's meant to be that way. But there are a lot of people out there who say, I believe in Jesus. And my response to them as lovingly is, what does that mean to you? And many people believe in the historical Jesus. They believe in the facts. Matter of fact, they would even tell you those facts are true. I, I've met people who say, you know, I believe he he lived Uh, on this earth. I believe he died, Marty. I, I believe he rose again from the third day. But the key is they have never entrusted themselves to him, entrusted that he lived that life they couldn't live, entrusted that he paid the penalty for their sin, entrusting that he truly raised on the third day and he conquered death. Death could not hold him in the ground. And when we put our faith, our saving faith, which is that gift from God in Christ Jesus and him alone, because we're saved by faith alone, then, truly, we will bear the fruit. The Bible says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're changed. We're a new creature. The old has gone, the new has come, and all that new is from God, Second Corinthians five seventeen and 18. And I think to myself, this is so exciting. And this is what a lot of people just don't understand. The demons believe they're not going to be saved. People in the Bible believe, but you see that many of them, there was no fruit. The seed didn't take root. The Bible talks about the seed in the soils. There's four soils. And the seed being the Word of God, and in the four soils, only one of those soils, only one out of four, does the seed take root and bear fruit. So you can believe the facts, the evidence. You could say it's true. But have you put your trust? Have you entrusted yourself to Jesus Christ and him alone to save you? See, folks, again, works will never save us. It tells us very distinctively and clearly in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works that no one should boast. See, you're never going to be able to boast in the presence of God because it's all about God. Philippians 1, 6, He who began the good work in you will complete it to what? To the very end. It's God who's doing the work. It's not us. It's God. Matter of fact, uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 5, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness. That's because we can't do anything in righteousness because we're not righteous. The Bible says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. But it also says there's not one righteous, not even one. But according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. And being justified, and again, that word means to be declared righteous. It's a righteousness that's not our own. It's a foreign righteousness. It, it is put on our account. It's imputed unto a, it, it is placed on our account, on our behalf, but it's not our own. We're declared forgiven. We're declared forgiven of all of our sins, of the past, the present, of the future. We're declared righteous. We are adopted as the sons and daughters of the living God so that we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You look at these passages, you study them, you read them, and you realize it's all about Jesus. That's what it's about. That's why Jesus said, and I close with this today, He said in that passage that many of you probably heard, or maybe you're there today, maybe you have not heard it ever before, but Jesus said these words that just absolutely positively just make you stand back and go, what? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father who's in heaven except by me. See, the truth of the matter is, that's the only way anyone is ever going to get into heaven. They are going to get into heaven by Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. No other way. So I want to ask you today, as I close here on the Marty Minto Show podcast, and by the way, that passage I just shared with you was from John chapter 14, verse 6. Have you looked at the evidence? Have you looked at the facts? Have you really studied do you, do you, what do you really believe about Jesus? Don't tell me you, have, you believe because that's what your mom told you, your, your grandparents told you, your priest at the church told you, you know, your friends believe this way, that, you know, because you watched somebody on TV, you read this book, maybe it's a book about something else, some other religious belief, and Jesus is just a great prophet, a good teacher. I'm asking, what do you believe about Jesus? Have you looked at the evidence? Have you looked at the facts? concerning Jesus, his own statements. He claimed to be God, the Son of the Living God. And the second question is, do you believe it to be true? I mean, if not, then Jesus is a liar. Think about that. He lied to people. He deceived people all over the place, and he's still today deceiving people. Or maybe he was just crazy. I mean, you know, I I hate to say it, there's many mentally unstable people today. And there were people back then. Some of them were mentally unstable because they had demons inside of them. But they were, they caused problems and trouble in society. But if you don't believe that and you believe that he wasn't lying, you believe that he wasn't crazy, do you believe that he was telling the truth about himself? Do you believe all the evidence and the facts to be true? If you do, there's just that one thing that's left. Are you willing to entrust yourself to him and him alone so that he can reconcile you with God? He can save you. He can. Can forgive you of your sins of the past, the present, and the future. He can give you eternal life. He can make things right between you and God because He is the mediator between God and man. Have you entrusted yourself to Him? By faith alone. Nothing else. You can't gain it, you can't earn it, you can't pay for it, and you can't pray for it. You are trusting Him by faith that he lived the life you could never live. He paid the penalty for your sins, and that on the third day you're trusting that he raised from the dead. He's alive forevermore. He conquered death. And if you put your belief, your trust, your faith in him, in him alone, you'll have eternal life. You're going to be saved, and you'll never, ever experience the wrath of God. Why? For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. None whatsoever. You are a child of God. You're an heir to God's kingdom. You are the one who will be together with Jesus Christ forevermore in his kingdom, in his heaven. Read Romans chapter 8, the promise is clear, from a man whose life had been changed by the Christ, the Messiah, by the Son of God, by the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more, email me, MartyMinto at gmail.com. If you've put your trust, your faith in Jesus Christ and him alone today after listening to this broadcast— Email me, I'd love to know, I'd love to help you on this journey, this Christian journey of life, of joy, of realizing what is ahead before us. If you have questions, concerns, maybe all the things that I've said is somewhat confusing, maybe you've never heard this in the church that you attend, maybe you've never heard anybody share with you, maybe you want to know more about this Jesus, email me, Marty martymento.com at gmail.com, and I'll do my very best, and I mean that sincerely, I will do my very best to help you, help you know more about this man called Jesus. Folks, don't forget, check us out on Facebook, the Marty Minto Show podcast, on Twitter, and on Instagram, and again, until next time, may the Lord bless you, may He keep you, may His face shine brightly upon you, and again, remember, Jesus said, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sin. Thanks for stopping by. An apologetic show that doesn't apologize for the truth. The Marty Mento Show. I remember staring when he called him in an Ananias. It's time to get your courage up. There is this road in Damascus that you must go down.